Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. everyone welcome back to pod side picnic i'm here once again with pete the brave i think unnamed train engineer <laughs> to my <laughs> ma dong sock no i actually i don't think there are good character analogs for us in the movie train to busan uh but i do think that the heroic train train engineer who tries to do his best to save everyone. Uh, I, I do think that Pete Pete would be that guy in this extreme situation, which is being on a Korean train with a bunch of zombies. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, you could certainly take take a hard look at the the fund manager because, in terms of career choices, that's pretty similar. Ah, uh, I think you're being too hard on yourself. I, I think, well, I don't I don't want to dox you too much, but I don't think what you do is is quite uh, at the level of the uh, fund manager who we discover is involved in some nefarious things. Spoiler alert, go watch Train to Busan if you haven't seen it. It's on Netflix. Yeah, we should start with that. Train to Busan is on Netflix, and it's awesome. And if you haven't seen it, you're wasting your lives listening to us. Go watch it. Yeah, honestly, it's it's a really good one. Um, It vaulted up the list. It vaulted up the list of my favorite zombie movies. It vaulted up the list of my favorite recent I think action movies because it's from 2016, I believe. Uh, it, it's just got a lot going for it. So check it out. But now I can start giving spoilers. Spoiler alert. So the spoiler is that we find out that the fund manager who is, I don't know if protagonist is the right word. He's probably the most common point of view character in a movie where point of view shifts a fair amount. And we kind of get introduced to his life as a single father with his daughter, his young daughter, um, you know, early on before the, the misfortunes start to really pile up and he, they get on the train to go see the daughter's mother from whom he is separated in Busan, hence train to Busan. And then things start to go very wrong, namely a zombie outbreak. But yeah, he's uh, turns out that his his fund has been messing around with some biotech research that <laughs> would you believe it resulted in zombies? Um Anyway, I, I, Which, I guess I mean, let's be honest, if if a biotech firm figured out a way to do zombification, it would be a fantastic result and they would make so much money off of that. Yeah. Even if you just created like a theme park where people could go to become like, look, let's say that you could choose to become a zombie and your family would get a huge payout and they would be fine then. And, and you were just then part of a zombie theme park. I'm writing a really interesting sci fi novel right now. I shouldn't be giving this away for free. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what I was thinking? Blackwater, man. Oh, you mean like zombie warriors? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, all you need to do is uh, like tape enough grenades to them and push them in the right direction. That shit's amazing. Ah, zombie kamikaze, like suicide bomber type. Yeah, okay. I could. Interesting. Pete, you have a deep, you know, you really do work in finances. You have a devious <laughs> mind, my friend. Uh, I, is this the first zombie story we've done on this show? I can't remember, but I think yeah. it might be. 
Which is sort of amazing because, like, this movie is the sweet spot where two of my obsessive interests meet. Like, incredibly violent Korean films and zombie movies, and right here is the lineup, and oh man, am I happy to be here right now. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I don't think Train to Busan actually has to be as good, it would have to be as good as it is in order to be an enjoyable movie worth watching. I think it's actually quite, quite good for what it is. It's quite oh. good for a zombie movie, and it's quite good for an action movie. Um and I didn't know that you were into Korean movies. Do you like a lot of... You're saying you like a lot of, like, the Korean martial arts action movies? Yeah, well, I mean, things like I Saw the Devil and Old Boy and uh, A Hard Day, The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. I mean, ba- basically the the sort of... Uh, uh, the, the physical drama where somebody whoops ass on a group of other people and is completely unappreciated. Usually there's policemen involved, but not necessarily. I think that one of the theses I'm developing is there's at least a strain in Korean filmmaking in the 21st century that is the strain that is most, I think, successful with American audiences. Mm-hmm. Now, again, a well-made action movie from anywhere in the world is one of the most universally appreciated types of film. So, so you know, there are lively action movie sort of industries all over the world now. And Korea is definitely a longstanding member of that kind of network. Yeah. But but I think that more more to the point, Korea, Korean filmmaking, there's at least a strain of it that is really into these kind of stark, brutal class parables. Um, that's what that's what Parasite is. That's what mm-hmm. Burning, which was a big hit in the last couple of years, is. That's what Train to Busan is. Uh, Snowpiercer was, of course, a crossover, I think, with an American studio. And, of course, that was Bong Joon-ho, director of Parasite, doing it. Sure. Old Boy, I would classify, actually, as not not quite that in the same way. Sure, um, but if you give me enough beers, I could make the argument, and so could you. I mean, there's certainly, there are veins of class discussion in Old Boy. Yeah, I mean, the villain is rich, first of all. And it's become right. rich partly, partly to enact his revenge. But uh-huh. I, I think that, so, like... Something about American audiences, at least the American audiences that would be at all receptive to a Korean movie, we tend to respond to these really stark class parables. Mm-hmm. And they're class parables that could be because of being simplistic. I think that there was a contrarian backlash to Parasite after it got really popular. People were like, oh, the message is rich people and capitalism are bad. Ha ha, that's so complicated. It's like, no, you're missing the point, which is that it's a parable about class. And part of what that, what that actually means is it dramatizes the way that class hierarchy actually works. It doesn't just assert that class hierarchy exists or that it's bad. It shows you the mechanics of it. And of course, I think Parasite is one of the really brilliant stories of the last few decades on that, that score. And Train to Busan is not that far below it. I'm not sure that it's quite as interesting a film as Parasite is at the end of the day, but that's a pretty high bar to set. And I think that I I know Pete wants to jump here. I just want to, I just want to say like there. Well, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll let you jump in. I have more to add, but go ahead. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's just a question of what you're trying to do. Like, one of the things that, uh, like, the Korean film schools, if you will, do very well is, uh, I, I don't even quite know what to call it. Maybe maybe you'd call it an urban western? Like, the idea of you've got an intense physical and psychological drama between a hero and a villain, and they are surrounded by hundreds or even thousands of other people, is something that Korean film does very well, and generally American films do a crappy job of it. Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. There's sort of this, there's this strain in Korean filmmaking, at least, of kind of having to reckon with the imminent reality of what is actually all around you, which is that... 
we can't just have a generic Marvel movie fight scene on the train because, you know, there's these two old ladies on the train that are sisters and they're at odds about something. This happened to Train to Busan. Or there's a baseball team of teenagers on the train. And Train to Busan takes an interest in all of this uh, in a way that I think, you know, equ- equivalent American movie might not. Although I will say, of course, zombie movies tend to be very ensemble. They tend to be about ragtag bands of people that get together out of necessity. So yeah, there is and- some... Well, because it's so interesting when you get to know someone slightly and then they're brutally murdered. I mean, that's that's why American films seem to embrace that. But I get the impression that Korean films, or at least the ones I've seen, like like exploring the characters anyway. Right. And I think that also like the, the, you made a really key point here, too, which is something that I've also noticed in Korean films that have been popular in the U.S. in, in recent decades is a kind of really imminent reckoning with the violent power of the state because, and part of that's just from a country that's on kind of a, a semi-permanent or basically permanent war footing where mm-hmm. they, have, they have military conscription and they're always on the verge of war with North Korea. And that's always, I think, very, you know, just sort of how Korean society is structured, like it or not. And then also, like you said, the popularity of like these, these I mean, obviously, I think that also cop narratives from all around the world are also widely legible across cultures. Um, but I think it's just like, there's, there's a, there's a sort of reckoning an open reckoning with state violence and state power, the imminent presence of the state that I think mirrors that reckoning with class. And I think that there, that American audiences, we seem like Korean, Korean films are one of the places where a certain kind of American audience seems to really like to farm out our own sort of very stark sketchings of how power really works and how things are really structured. We seem to like, there's a comfort level when you can farm it out to a society that is different enough uh, sure. to sort of, to sort of not, not be, not be terrifying to actually reckon with it. Cause I think that like, I, I, I don't think I know for a fact, for instance, I, one of my favorite uh, most revealing moments of being a film watcher um, was kind of watching. I, I was younger and much more naive when I first watched district nine and I remember the South African corporation in that movie was being very sinister and callous about their former employer, who is now transforming into a prawn, transforming into a space alien. And I just kind of naively, or, you know, sort of naively offhandedly, I said, like, oh, man, I just feel like, you know, an American, American corporate executives would be like a little bit more trepidatious about this. And my dad said, yeah, like this, the ones in movies would. <laughs> No, that's absolutely true. Point being, um, like, point being that the conventions around what the way you have to depict power and people wielding power in, you know, mass media in the U.S. Like, we critique these all the time, how it must be done a certain way and the apex being something like Captain Marvel. Anyway, we should probably we should probably get into the meat of Train to Busan itself. But OK, but I would like to say that Verhoeven is a great counterexample to what you're talking about. Oh, I'm not saying that nothing gets made in the U.S. that achieves this. I'm, I'm just saying that. Like, absolutely. We're, we're talking about broad strains. And again, I have to be careful here because I'm not saying all Korean films are this way or that way. What I'm saying is what I'm saying is there, the, there is a it has to be an underlying logic as to why a certain kind of Korean movie has become popular in the U.S. And I think that when you talk about outsourcing a certain way of, of talking about power and it's and it's sort of tangible physical realities, I think that um, that actually goes a long way towards answering it for me. And I look at the ones that have been popular in the last 10 years over here. I see that. Uh, have you ever seen City Hunter, the series? I have not. Oh, you, I, I, a low end recommend. There's a there's a TV series from Korea called City Hunter, which is basically the Korean Batman, and it's about this 
uh, this kid who is raised as sort of like a like a, a drug dealer in the Golden Triangle because his family was betrayed by bad people within the South Korean military. And over time, he gets assets and comes back to expose and betray them all by being like a, a rich uh, billionaire playboy that they all dance to the tune to. So, like, he alternates between setting up elaborate money traps with them and dropping them off of tall buildings. And it's wonderful because it's like Batman, except he doesn't give a shit about crimes at all. He's just revenging his family. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, I think I said to you before we started recording, I'm interested to just explore the Korean film scene more because the things that do make it over to the U.S., uh, a lot of them have become my favorite movies of the last decade. Like, I loved, obviously, Parasite, but also I loved Burning, if people haven't mm-hmm. seen that one. Although I recommend it to someone and they got mad at me for how slow-paced it is because it's almost three hours long and there are stretches where not very much happens. Fair enough, but I liked it a lot. Yep. And I like Train to Busan, and especially the directors of Burning and Train to Busan, I have not seen other work by them. So I want to branch out a little bit. That'll be, that'll be cool. Um, so Train to Busan, uh, let's see here. So like I said, this is about an outbreak. There's a massive zombie outbreak in Korea. And we know that because we're getting news reports coming in. And things are really, really not going well. This is a fast-spreading outbreak with fast zombies. And if you know anything about zombie stories, you know that fast zombies are a problem. By the way, before I go farther, I want to know, we did do a zombie story on here a little bit obliquely because we talked to Emma about both of her books. Yes. And one of them is a zombie book. So it was a little bit oblique, but yeah, Devils Unto Dust by our dear friend and recurring guest, Emma Burquist, is a zombie Friend story. of the show, if you will. Friend of the pod, yes. Um, anyway, so, the, you know, you're in, we're in pretty classic zombie territory. I don't know about other zombie movies that take place on, like, moving conveyances almost entirely, which, which this does. Um, I will also say, again, to spoil it, like... It's a fairly grim zombie story in that uh, almost every character we get to know and care about dies. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's it's also uplifting in that a number of them achieve their goals. Yeah. So I, I use the term parable. First of all, I'm way ready to do this. Oh. Um, Dude, I'm halfway through my beer. I opened it before the mic turned on. <laughs> so, like, side note to everybody, a uh, little little behind the curtain thing here is um, I'm in Topeka right now. My wife's in another state and she's been visiting me for the past four or five days. So, I mean, that th- there has been some beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel that it's it happens, man. And yes, we uh, <clears throat> Pete is out in the frontiers of Topeka, Kansas. It's kind of like uh, if you've ever seen, you know, Tombstone and movies like that. That's what Topeka is still like. So, yeah, well, with a side of Children of the Corn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of a freaky place. Uh, so, <laughs> we just hope he can navigate it successfully and not not get gunned down at high noon or or you know eaten by the Children of the Corn. But uh, well, I've never seen Children of the Corn, by the way. I don't know what happens in that movie. I just know it's creepy kids. But <laughs> oh, dude, that that was the plot. You couldn't have put it in a more detailed <laughs> way. That's it. Okay. Well. Glad, glad <laughs> maybe sometime we'll watch Children of the Corn as part of our, our get this, corny movies yeah. we watch. Uh, well, also 28 Days Later, like, one of the things we need to do in this discussion is sort of develop a ranking of zombie movies and disagree with each other aggressively. Like, that needs to happen. Well, I, I, by the way, I've talked to Emma already about, it, about doing 28 Days Later at some point with her. And so that's going to happen. I, don't, I won't give a date to it. But, okay. Um, Can I come? 
Yeah, you're well. You're, okay. No, Pete, you may not come on your own show. No, you. Well, can you know, you two seem to be hanging out. I mean, who am I to, you know, interfere with the the guest host relationship? That's very kind of you. But yeah, um, twenty days later, I think was a big inspiration for her, and it's you know, it's uh, when we talk about ranking zombie movies, like I. I am not enough of a connoisseur of zombie movies. I don't have like a top 25 because I haven't seen anywhere near that many zombie movies. Okay. I will say that for me, I, I, to, to rank my top zombie movies, I would have to just end up, oh man, as, as I talk, I'm thinking of more options now. Good. But, but I think, well, actually, you know what? I want Pete. Pete, can you estimate for me? Give me some of your top zombie movies and tell me where Train to Busan. Where do you think Train to Busan fits in for you? And then I'll give you mine. Oh, well, part of it is where you draw the lines, of course. I mean, and I'm not dodging. I will answer your question. But for example, is I Am Legend a zombie movie? Is Life Force a zombie movie? Uh, let's use a capacious definition. I haven't seen Life Force, but I Am Legend is definitely a zombie movie, yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of a vampire. I guess they're vampire zombies, but, like, it's zombies. <laughs> Close okay, enough. Fair, fair enough. Okay, I would definitely put Train to Busan in the top three. Uh, but there's, like, there's a lot of wonderful things going on. Like, The Girl with All the Gifts, absolutely superb. 28 Days Later, I'd say that's my second. And then Train to Busan. Uh, followed by pretty much all the Romero movies in order, and then the remakes of Romero movies, and then Shaun of the Dead. Oh, so you hate Shaun of the Dead. No, no, I just don't think it's in the top three. I think it's wonderful. Like, do you want me to list the shit ones? Let's go to Resident Evil. (laughs) Oh, you don't like Resident Evil? Interesting. I kind of like Resident Evil, but... I... And, you know, even then I'm being kind of cheap because I really loved them, but I don't think they're particularly good. I mean, is that does that make any sense? Um, like, I, I enjoyed them. I just like if if aliens came down and said, show us your best zombie movies, I would kick that one under my desk, but I'd watch it after they left. Well, I you know, there's just a lot. There's just so much going on here that I, I want to ponder. There's much there's much to consider, you might say. OK, but uh this is we've we've hit some interesting territory though, because I think you don't, don't disagree a ton. Because I would also say Train to Busan has to be top three to me for me, and the reason for that is it's not merely a very very well done zombie movie, which it is. It honestly yes. is in um, in those strict genre terms. It's also just a phenomenal movie, and like I said, I think it I think it has some things to say about class and about the way that not just that you know class exists and it traps us within its hierarchies. But also, like, you can see the, spon- the way that power dynamics spontaneously form based on choices the characters make. Because you have the one shitheel corporate guy who I guess is, it, I love that he's like, he's like CEO of a bus company and he's traveling by train, which I find really funny on many ways. <laughs> um, yes. Like, of course he is. Like, you know, I don't think that the executive of Greyhound traveled by Greyhound, but it's fun. It's just funny to think about. Um, but it, anyway, that guy is like the, the, the constant heel um, of the whole thing. He's always screwing people over or being callous while a lot of the characters are trying to are being fairly heroic and selfless as is something you really very much need in a zombie story. You need characters to step up and try to save other characters. or It's all going to go to shit very quickly. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, there's, there's things to be said about the way that power dynamics form and shift based on contingencies 
how people behave in extreme situations. Like, do they revert to their old patterns? Because, like, the conductor listens to the shithealed guy because the shithealed guy knows how to be commanding and persuasive. So the conductor sort of obeys a class structure that no longer really means much in this incredible emergency they're in. Um, or, you know, like, there's conflict early on between Ma, the the guy played by Ma Dong-suk, who's a great Korean action hero. Um, he kicks a lot of ass in this. He's got a pregnant wife on the train with him. And he gets mad because the the corporate guy I mentioned earlier. And again, I don't remember these characters' names, partly because, like, I, I just feel like this is another movie kind of like the old guard where names... Like, it, I feel like the, the names became less important than just like, oh, the badass guy. Oh, the baseball player kid. You know, like. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, well, I mean, it, they became archetypes, right? Um, I was just going to say that. That's exactly what's going on. And I, that's one of the things that makes the movie so cool. Because that's, that's the fantasy overlay we do on these movies. Like, who lives, who dies? Would I live? Would I die? And you're not dealing with them as people. You're dealing with them almost as choices. Yeah. Another way to put it is that zombie movies are a found a guy type of genre. You find different types of guys and gals in zombie movies. Um, yes. Sorry, I'm being way too Twitter about this. But no, you're totally right. Like, the the choices characters make sort of transport them into these archetypes that they, they then fulfill. So Ma Dong Sok's character, the whole way through... He is brave. He's relatively selfless, except insofar as he needs to protect his pregnant wife. He's gallant, but but gruff. Um, he speaks his mind. He takes action, and he ends up nobly sacrificing himself. And yeah, I mean, he's he's simply, and he also like he gives the uh, the corporate guy who has to have the so the corporate guy, the dad who gets on the train initially, he has a redemption arc, right? Because he has to get past his shittiness and the fact that this is in some ways all his fault. Um, so there's a whole thing going on there and he, you know, the, the Mudong Sox starts off being really suspicious of him and then they become allies and, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens there. Yeah. But like, you know, by, by Mudong Sox gives him a bunch of shit. And so, yeah, that's sort of your most purely heroic character. Then you have this kind of like the baseball playing kid who has the teen girl who has a crush on him, which by the way, I loved that, like. The, I, I love the, the sort of boldness of that scene where you have the before anything goes wrong, you have this whole baseball team of teenage boys, you know, in their uniforms and occupying one train car. And like this girl from their school comes in and, and all the other boys are going crazy because she's like the hot girl. And she sits next down to this. She sits down next to uh, this one kid who will be the only one that survives for any length of time. He's also the kid from Parasite, by the way. He's the son. He's the. Um, son of the sort of wily family in Parasite. Uh, anyway, she sits down next to him and he's like, go away. I don't want anything to do with you. It's a great like cliche of like, of course she's drawn to the one who doesn't, <laughs> doesn't give her the time of day. I yeah. thought that was like, I don't know, something about that is as simple and kind of uh, cliched as it was. Just, I, I, I found like, I found it funny because it was so bold. It was just like, all right, we know these characters are going to end up having this love arc in this story just because the intro is so over the top. <laughs> what was wonderful is, like, do you remember what the makeout scene was? Uh, yeah, so they, they don't actually write. They don't actually kiss until she turns into a zombie <laughs> and bites him. <laughs> You're right. I hadn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought, like, made note in my head like they didn't kiss until then. But that's another, it's just like a great little touch. And, and a lot of what we talk about in the show is like things that are wonderful touches that push scenes and collectively kind of push entire narrative works over the top. 
and make them, you know, make them go from good to great. And like, there's so many things like that in this movie that didn't, they didn't have to be like that, but doing them that way makes this a truly phenomenal movie rather than just a very enjoyable one. So I've got a question for you and it's a little bit offbeat. Uh, we, we both talked about how much we enjoy uh, like Korean films. And so far as we've seen them, I think I've pursued them a little more. But part of that is because Apple is into them and that makes it easier for me to pick them up. But like Canadian zombie films are also amazing and totally unappreciated. Like you've got Blood Quantum, which is about uh, a... a uh, uh, a Native American community that survives when all of the other, uh, when everybody else is getting overwhelmed by zombies. And there's, they did Ravenous in 2017, which was just superb. They had uh, Pontypool. Like, I don't know if you've seen that one, but like, for some reason, like, other cultures, or at least other nations, uh, seem to be producing some pretty fascinating stuff in this area. And is that just because we've mined it out? I, you know, I mean, I think it's kind of widely known that there was sort of, we reached like peak zombie around like 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, and I, I forget when Walking Dead premiered, but it was kind of right in the turn of the 2010s. That oh the remake we, of the Walking Dead oh that Walking Dead yeah yeah sorry I was the AMC I Walking was, Dead yeah I was thinking Land of the Dead sorry oh no I mean it, it, yes I think that there was I, I think we reached zombie saturation by the early 2010s at the latest in yep. kind of American mass culture and I, I don't know enough to generalize about how zombies have sort of traveled around the world genre wise I do think. That one reason it became popular, and I, I think there's just there's an incredible there's an incredible legibility to the zombie genre now because we by now I mean the last few decades yeah. because I think we're all sort of aware of how effective kind of the managing structures of these developed liberal capitalist societies or of just of, of nations in general like the the way that nation states sort of manage insurrection and dissent and social and, and unrest, whatever the case may be. Like, I think that there's just sort of like, we're aware of how finely honed those structures are and of how, of the degree of sort of like control we all labor under. And then zombies are about zombies, of course, are about our fear of like some mass of people welling up from somewhere and, and overrunning us. And of course, that means that that zombies are often very a very reactionary fear because it's about like yeah. some horde of brown immigrants, right? It's about the other. It's about a horde of well, others overrunning. It's not about your neighbors, which is why the best the best zombie movies, of course, the really good zombie movies, are about your neighbor or you know like your beloved child turning into a zombie and trying to eat you because it complicates the whole thing, right? Well, I I agree with everything you just said, but there's another useful interpretation that you can do with zombie movies, which is they are about reducing people to consumption because mm, mm. that's another direction these things go i mean it's it's no accident that the second romero movie took uh dawn of the dead took place in a shopping mall no because for like, sure yeah. Dawn, yeah dawn of the dead is great by the way 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I even like the remake, and I don't think everybody can say that, but it's... Uh, I think uh, I've only... Actually, I think, about it, I think I've only seen the remake, and I love the remake. I think it's a very good zombie movie, honestly. But go ahead, sorry. Oh, well, uh, you're, you are convincing me of something, which is um, we need to have a month where we do a deep dive into zombies. I, I was having the same thought. I think we need to have a zombie yeah. month at some point. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, there's 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 plenty of lit- literature, and God knows there's enough movies. Uh, like if we did Pontypool, I I like I can think off the top of my head of five or six people of note that would want to talk to us. Oh, I mean, there's there's we're not gonna have we could do a zombie year. We wouldn't run out of interesting stuff. So I'm not <laughs> I'm not worried about that. Like it's it's been I mean the 21st century. This is this, is, this genre has existed for a long time, but in the 21st century, this has been a like premiere pervasive subgenre of speculative fiction and it it varies into what category of speculative fiction you want to fit it into because like in this case train to busan is like it's sort of a, a light sci-fi where you have biotech research connected to these you know financial ghouls that goes in, that goes wildly wrong i love the opening too where you have the angry farmer who's like indignant about goes through a military roadblock and he's like, oh, so you're going to kill my livestock again for hoof and mouth? And they're like, no, no, it's not that. He's like, I don't believe you. I never believe you. And just kind of drives on and then he hits a deer and it turns out it's a zombie deer. <laughs> yes. Well, and you know what I what I love about that is that's always the question in zombie movies is how does the virus fit into the ecosystem? Like, can you have zombie chickens? Like, will you be attacked by zombie cows? It's rarely covered. And this one checks that box first off. It's like, zombie deer, shut up, let's keep moving. You know? And, like, that question is a big deal to me because, like, if you can successfully fight off the zombie hordes and you're attacked by a bunch of fucking pigeons and that's it... Like, I want to know that. Yeah, I think that uh, taking interest in that whole range of things. I mean, it's something that I thought about a lot writing about vampires is like, uh, you know, can can other animals be made vampiric? I settled on. I think that you can make any warm blooded meat eater into a vampire in my universe. Um, So and I think I'm trying to think if there have there have been story. Well, there's. There's like ridiculous movies like Zombievers. Have you seen that one? Yes, I have. <laughs> that's a that's a wonderfully stupid like, you know, college spring break slasher with zombie viewers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I assume you've seen Shaun of the Dead? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Shaun of the Dead. I, I kind of feel like at this point, Shaun of the Dead, probably more people that listen to this show have seen Shaun of the Dead that have seen Night of the Living Dead, the original, the OG. Because I feel like Shaun of the Dead just comes up all the damn time. And I like it. I think it's, you know, it's almost impossible for it not to be overrated. Uh, But it's, it is, it is a good one. Can I, let me give you some trivia on this. Um, Land of the Dead, like the, the, the Romero uh, vehicle. Um, Other people who did, you know, zombie movies that he respected got to cameo in that movie as zombies. So there's a pan in the, like, three-fourths of the way through the film where you can see some of the characters from Shaun of the Dead chained to a wall. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's cool as hell. Like, what a great... Uh, he's such a he's such a good godfather for this genre. And the whole idea that, that this genre wouldn't have happened if some guy didn't go weird about zombies, like, it, it's it's a little hard to accept because it seems so central now. No, you're, you're right. I think that, I mean, that history, I think, has been explored quite widely because, of course, Night of the Living Dead is a... Uh, a quietly a very radical movie. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And like 
I, he could talk politics with us and it wouldn't get weird. Let's put it that way. Totally, totally. Yeah, he uh, he's he, he's good politics, interesting dude. I speaking of good politics, I kind of want to be a little bit more. I kind of want to give Train to Busan a little bit more of its due. Um, before we, because like I I do at some point. I think we should zoom out and talk about zombies generally. I don't want to. Uh, I want to keep some of our powder dry and not give away too much of it right now. But uh, Train to Busan, let, let's just do some dumb, some dumb things. Like, what? Uh, what's your favorite scene in this movie? Oh, oh, th- these are my favorite kind of dumb things. Uh, let me think about that. I think my favorite scene in this movie. Uh, I'm gonna name two, and the the first one is when the guy is in the room with his daughter, giving her a wee. And it turns out she's already got a Wii. <laughs> and combining that with when, how he dies. Are we spoiling? Yeah, we've been spoiled already, so yes. Okay, well, when, when, he, when he sacrifices himself for her, like, as, as a gesture of love, and, like, he's bawling because she's crying for him, and he finally has the connection that he's desperately wanted with his daughter... And he just like the price he has to pay is his life. And he does it. He, he does it with with, you know, with bitterness, but also a song in his heart. Like that arc is incredible to me. Yeah, they fit a really interesting father daughter kind of redemption arc into this tight zombie movie, which is not easy to do. And that's one of the many things that I find sort of technically impressive about Train to Busan that was a really interesting, heartfelt pick, Pete. And I'm going to counter it by telling you that my favorite scene is just the first time that Ma Dong Sok and the baseball kid and the, the corporate guy wade through that, that train car full of zombies just kicking ass. Oh, that's badass. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's just a great fight scene in, you know, in confined space. Um, which well, they're I'm, doing... They're doing the thing you always want them to do. It's like, well, why, you know, if 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 I were threatened by the zombies, I would simply beat the shit out of them. And that's what they do. Yeah. So like the baseball kid has his bat. Um, the corporate guy has like, does he have like a shield or something? I, I can't like, I can't remember. Yeah. He's not. It, he's got a shield. He's got, yeah, he's got some kind of shield that he made. And then Madong Sok just like wraps up his fist and it's just beating the shit out of zombies with his bare hands, which is like, I, I don't know that I've ever seen in a zombie movie someone just like successfully go to town on a bunch of zombies barehanded <laughs> but exactly. he pulled it off and and because he's a martial arts master and because he's buff like he sold me on it he's buff but he's like he's like actual like you know badass built not like movie steroidal buff i don't know i love him as an action hero and i can't wait to watch more korean movies that he's been in because like that is one that is one cool dude i have to say yeah no i i completely agree uh Gosh, what else about it? I, it there, there's so much good character development here. You wanted to be at to ask me about something, the gangster thing, maybe. Oh, I think that you read Ma Dong Sok's character as a gangster, and I didn't read him that way. And I was asking you why that was. Oh well, part of it is every other thing I've seen him in, he's been a gangster, and like. He he wasn't not a gangster in this, so I just sort of went with it. I just sort of assumed like he's he uh, he's he's physical, like he he's obvious he's obviously not a corporate wage guy, and he dresses a little tacky, but he also appears to have money. And I just looked at him and I, I went, 
gangster, and maybe that just makes me a bad person. But it was an easy jump for me to make. No, I don't think you're wrong, and and I think that like yeah, he has immense disdain for the corporate, um, the corporate, all the corporate guys in this story. I, I don't think you're at all necessarily wrong. I think it was just an interesting read, but like yeah, I mean, he has like he's wearing like I don't even know how it is. I, I, there's probably some technical clothing term for it. But it's like a purple sport coat with a pocket square with like an ascot or something. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it was almost like an athletic version of something somebody would wear to a prep school. It was very odd. Yeah, in the eighties. It, it was an interesting choice. Uh, yeah, it had kind of that eighties like Miami Vice vibe to it. So like, you, you're <laughs> right. But like either way, this guy, this is a guy who's like proud of his you know sort of salt of the earth working class origins but also is clearly slinging around some money and and has kind of commanding presence so like you know maybe he's a union thug i don't know but (laughs) (laughs) something something a lot yeah but i mean gangster's interesting interpretation and i think that like that this is a movie that encourages us to see characters through those like to kind of reduce people as basic style roles where it's like you have the baseball kid and it's like, all right, baseball kid, the other baseball kids are dead. Are you going to be a little wuss or are you going to grab a bat and be the badass baseball kid? Like, there's kind of like, there's all these, there's choices people get to make and the choices are interesting. But I, what I love about it is they're calibrated to be binary, to be both binary and still interesting. I think that's about this a lot as a storyteller. It's like, what I want to get to as a storyteller is I want to create situations that everything going into it, you know, backstory, motivation, what we know about the characters already, the details of the setting uh, everything about the situation the characters are in sets them up to make a very stark binary choice. And that does a couple of things. It it, it lets the audience wonder what choice they're going to make and have a very clear sense of what that will mean. That's the most important thing that it does. It also just like it, it also it, it makes things easier on the character and by extension on the writer, because like. You've I mean, look at this way. I'll use this metaphor. Right. I use this a lot in my head, which is that if you know, if you actually understand football, like if you don't understand football, it looks like a bunch of guys going out there and just slugging each other and throwing a, a piece of leather around. But if you do understand football and you kind of know what's going on, you realize there's a tremendous amount going on in every play. And it's very, very complicated. And it's actually, I mean, it's kind of hilarious how complicated and cerebral a game football is, given that it's also the meathead game that damages your brain. But like, it's very, very complex. It truly is. But the thing you have to remember about football is that any given play, any given situation, there are a tremendous amount of moving parts to it. But ultimately, the way that you teach it and the way that you get players to execute is by reducing those moving parts to to very simple operations and very simple choices. And I think it's the same kind of principle in this case, where it's like you want to feed, you want to have a bunch of complex, interesting elements that get you to a point narratively where characters have to make a binary choice. And the binary choice in the case of Train to Busan is like, all right, am I going to sacrifice myself to hold off this wave of zombies or not? Am I going to hold the train up to save these people or not? Am I going to go back for the hot girl that has a crush on me or not? And zombie movies are a great genre for those choices because the characters just don't, because especially if it's early in a zombie attack and things are changing around them rapidly, they don't know what they're even dealing with necessarily. So they just have to kind of rush into the breach and those, those, those choices become very stark and very dramatic. Am I making sense here, Pete? Yeah, well, and, the, and they're visceral choices. You you are not like, okay, you have 20 minutes to make this decision, make a list. No, 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 no. Like, you are making this this choice with your nuts, with your heart. 
And that's what makes it so cool. And I mean, I like to think that in those situations like uh, like my partner's life or the life of a group of people, like I would that would be immensely more important than me than my own life. But like I, I, until like they're running at me and the, the teeth are chomping, I don't know that. Like I could be the cowardly guy hiding in the train. Who knows? Well, Pete, I'm going to give you a compliment, which is I think you're one of the few people I know that I can confidently say you would make the right moral choice in a zombie situation. So pat yourself on the back. Well, thank you. I will take it. I will. Um, I, you know, honestly, I think you would, too. You'd also have a tendency to live. And you know why you'd live? Because you could run like a little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm faster than most people and I have better stamina than most people. I not, not as much as a ten years. huge. That's important. Yeah, I mean, athleticism. Like, that's one thing about zombie movies that I think this one does an interesting job of is, like, this one does take note of who is vulnerable and frail and who you have to take care of. So you have the pregnant wife, you have the small child, you have the old women, or there's this pair of sisters, who I found very interesting because there's not a lot, like, we don't learn a lot about them, but, like, they're arguing because, like, the one is sort of more of a bleeding heart liberal. The other one's like, well, in the military dictatorship, those people would have just been re-educated. <laughs> you know? oh, because, yeah. like, that's one of the great things about this is that it's made very explicit early on that the, the message the government is sending is, like, these are just riots. These are filthy rioters burning down our cities. So, like, the politics are, like, again, when I say stark, direct parable, like, it's made very, very clear um, how the government is, is responding to this and how the politics of that operate but anyway those old women and like it, it, it even like it has its vulnerable characters but i think it's difficult it's hard to zoo a zombie movie with fast zombies right some zombies are slow like that of the living dead but it's hard to do a zombie movie with fast zombies where you actually realistically reckon with how unathletic the vast majority of people are Right. Because it just yes. it's, it's difficult because most people are not going to be able to run away from a fast zombie for shit. It's just the reality. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I mean, that fast zombies, like one of the reasons the films aren't very common is because they win. Like a fast zombie scenario is the end of the world. Right. Because what zombies have the edge they have is like they don't they, they typically at least don't feel pain the way they do. And they can swarm in a group and they can climb over each other and they will just overwhelm whatever you put in their way. And mm-hmm. so if they're fast, wow, look out below. I do think fast zombies like 28 days later was the first major fast zombie movie that I'm aware of. Um, and since then, I think fast zombies have become a lot more popular out there uh, in the culture. And, you know, I'm not sure that I approve of that because I do think that like leveling the playing field and saying, all right, well, there are 100 zombies and two of us, but the zombies are slow. I think that at least like introduces a, a, a it 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 it, uh, it nerfs the enemy a little bit. Let's just say, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, Train to Busan. I think like it, 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 you have to take liberties in these stories, and one liberty it takes is I think it makes characters more uh, athletic than it would be otherwise. But like that's a common. It's it's hard not to do that yeah. in action movies, right? <laughs> well, and it's also sort of difficult to measure on what level, like. I think in general, if a person is running at me, I'm probably not going to get away. But if that person is missing an arm and is clearly undead, I might be able to run a little longer than I normally would. Yeah, totally. I mean, you have to take stock of your advantages over zombies. And actually, Train to Busan does an interesting job with that because they they realize how reliant the zombies don't see very well. So they can't really see in the dark, apparently, Um, even a little bit when it's a little bit darkened and the humans can still see and they're very they respond to sound 
So they learn that they can manipulate the zombies by, you know, throwing things somewhere and the zombies will go towards it. So, you know, like that's in zombie zombie movies are all about ingenuity. And in fact, I think that's one thing I want to note about this movie is that like it's it, it, it feels to me like competence porn of a certain kind, which is a funny thing to say in a movie where everyone is failing all the time and they're going to get overwhelmed and most of them die. But I just mean that it's competence porn in the sense that like there's a lot of ingenuity involved, but also like watching it as an American, I was like, damn, Korean movies love to show off their glittering transit infrastructure. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, and that is a form of porn to us. The, the whole idea that you can get from one part of the country to the other and not not drive a vehicle is is fantastic. I'm like, I mean, they might as yeah. They might as well be on unicorns. On like a glittering, beautiful train that's moving at high speed oh. and the stations are like beautifully designed. You're just like, Jesus, well, we could do this, but I guess we can't have nice things. So Oh no, no. Well, we we can have nice things if we're using them to like pour jellified gasoline on people. Right. We can have nice things as long as they belong privately to rich people or to the military. That's right. <laughs> that's, 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 those are the criteria, basically, uh, you know, or like college sports teams. But, um, you know, yeah, in, in the meantime, we're slipping uranium into your milk and we'll apologize in 40 years. But we, we need to know more about this. The company will pay a two million dollar fine at, at some <laughs> indeterminate point uh, for all the terrible things they've done. Um, all right. Well, I think I think we've covered train. Do you think that there's more we need to say about Train to Busan. I feel like we've done it some justice here. Yeah, I, I think we have. Like, look, uh, overall, I think, uh, Connor, would you say people should watch this movie? I I love Train to Busan. I'm not sure where it is in my list of movies from the last decade, but it's up there. Like, it's definitely in the upper, like, you know, fourth or fifth, probably upper fifth of movies I've seen in the last from the last decade. It's, it's a good one. Yeah, I agree. It's wonderful. Cool. Well, I was trained to Busan, um, and you know, I, I want to say one thing before we go. I think our next exclusive will be a short story, so we'll be posting that on Patreon for folks. Um, but also next week, we're finally going to get to Gideon the Ninth. Both, both Pete and I finished it, and we're going to have two episodes on that. Probably one free, one exclusive, uh, and we're going to have at least one special guest. So, Gideon the Ninth, Gideon the Ninth, which we've been talking about for a while, is finally up. Go get it and read it if that interests you. Awesome. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks, guys.